Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. I thought it was really cool when we won the Baby Heart Press Award. Being named the best book for the congenital heart disease community was super awesome, both as a professional, a pediatric cardiologist, but also as a congenital heart warrior. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of your program. I'm thrilled today to interview a very special pair of friends, colleagues, and so much more. Today's episode is When You Wish Upon a Star and Your Wishes Come True. Brandy Lane Phillips is an author, pediatric cardiologist with Tetralogy Flow, and also a member of the Hearts Unite the Globe Medical Advisory Board. He was born in Alexandria, Louisiana to Jerry Phillips and Carolyn Wagner Phillips. Dr. Denton Cooley performed Brandon's first open-heart surgery at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas in 1979. Brandon graduated from Louisiana Tech University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Chemistry. From there, he moved on to attend Tulane University School of Medicine. He had his second open-heart surgery performed by Dr. Francisco Puga at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota in the summer between his first and second years of medical school. Brandon completed his general pediatrics residency, his general pediatrics residency at Texas Children's Hospital and his pediatric cardiology fellowship at Mayo Clinic. He was trained by the physicians who provided care for him during his two heart surgeries. He is a co-author of a book, When You Wish Upon a Star, From Broken Homes to Mended Hearts, with actor Jeremy Miller. Jeremy Miller is an American actor best known for his portrayal of Ben Seaver, the younger son on Growing Pains, a popular 1980 TV show, and two subsequent reunion movies. He was also the voice of Linus Van Pelt in Happy New Year, Charlie Brown, and Snoopy the Musical. Jeremy has a vast career of commercials, TV series, films, in person, and as character voices. As young Ben Seaver on Growing Pains, Jeremy won several awards and nominations. While portraying a young man on the TV show, he also faced serious personal problems of alcohol abuse. Through support from his TV family and the BioCore RX program, Jeremy was able to recover from alcohol abuse. He continues to support Fresh Start Recovery, the program that administered his treatment. Jeremy has studied drama and the culinary arts in college. He continues to follow his passions of acting and cooking. He has appeared in movies and teaches private cooking classes and group cooking parties. Jeremy and his wife, Joni, reside in California. He is the author of the book, What I Wish Upon a Star, with Dr. Brandilene Phillips. So let's get started first by welcoming both of you back. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Phillips. 
Anna, thank you for having me. It's always a joy to be with you on the program. It's always a joy to have you. And my loyal listeners will remember you, Dr. Phillips, from so many different programs. But some of my favorites were when you came on with your nurse, Chris Donald. I really loved that show. And I loved it when you came on one of my live shows. That was really fun, too. Absolutely. I enjoyed that. And Jeremy, it's so good to have you back, too. It's good to be back. Thank you for having us. I loved having you on the first time to hear about your book, but there's so much more news today, isn't there? Yeah, things have definitely been moving forwards, and we've definitely gotten a wonderful response to the book. It's so exciting. I can't wait to hear more. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Phillips. I mentioned in the opening that you were born with Tetralogy of Fallot and that you've had two surgeries. What do you think is most important for people to know about your heart condition most of your loyal listeners will know that there are more adults living with congenital heart disease than there are pediatric patients. But that's still a stronghold of the message that Chris and I get to share every day is that we're both congenital heart survivors. And for our families that are new to the congenital heart community, it's such a blessing for them to be able to know that we expect most of our patients to live into adulthood. Absolutely. 28 years ago, when my child was born, the statistics for survival were not great. And in fact, for my child's condition, which was hypoplastic left heart syndrome, it was one in four. And now it's only one in four that don't make it to adulthood. And hypoplastic left heart syndrome is not the only condition which has seen a huge increase in survival. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. A lot of our single ventricle patients are doing much better than they historically have done. And there's just new advances all the way around to some of the things that we can do in the cath lab to palliate things that used to require open heart surgery. It's just really an exciting time in the field of pediatric cardiology. I think so too. Tell me about how writing this book and making this book available to the world has helped you share information about Tetralogy of Fallot. I think one of the things that was really beneficial to writing the book. For me, there were a lot of things that I dealt with in my childhood, my parents' divorce, and just some of the things that went with that, that I always attributed to me having a bad heart. I always felt that my parents Mm -hmm. maybe wouldn't have gotten divorced if I had been born completely healthy. Mm -hmm. And I really wrote the book for my patients to let them know that they're not alone in these struggles. And also just to share what happened when I was granted a wish by the Starlight Children's Foundation and how the wish to meet my favorite child actor from Growing Pains. And the reason I chose to meet Jeremy was he had really the ideal family situation that he portrayed on the sitcom. That's what I wanted for myself. And that's why I wish to meet him. And it's just interesting to me the way that life has unfolded in such a way that I really have formed a brotherhood with Jeremy. I consider Jeremy my brother and we travel together and we get to have all kinds of fun adventures together. And he really has become family over the years. And in a way, what I really wanted from the wish came true in its own way. I know. I just love that. And the way that your lives have been interwoven over years. In fact, that was one of the titles of one of the shows that we did with you and Jeremy was the interwoven lives. And I just think it has been such a gift in so many ways. And for you and Jeremy to share that gift with the world, it's just fantastic. Jeremy, you have had an admirable year in acting in addition to your work on the 80s TV show Growing Pains. Can you tell us about your experience acting as a young adult and the issues 
and difficulties that you faced that shaped your life? Yeah, acting as a young adult was definitely different than acting as a kid. As a young adult, growing pains had ended and I was searching for the next thing. And it coincided with my social anxiety disorder and a lot of my abuse issues popping up. It was that perfect storm of everything occurring at once in that probably 17 year to 22 year old range. And that's where the alcohol started coming in. It eased that anxiety, basically. And I started going to auditions after having a couple drinks. I always made sure I had something in the car to calm me down before I went in or Whenever I went to an event or a publicity event or a red carpet event, Mm -hmm. I always had to have something with me. It was interesting. It was difficult. I shot a couple of movies after Growing Pains and had a small bottle on set with me pretty much at all times. Yeah, I was starting to go downhill relatively quickly at that point. It was becoming an everyday part of my life to cope with the changes that were going on. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about What brought you and Brandon back together? In so many words, God. That's how I see it. Brandon and I had to come back together. We were going to be shooting the second Growing Pains reunion movie. And to let you know how fortuitous this was, we were supposed to film during the summer in Montreal. That was what we were set for. We were going to be going back up to Montreal, which is where we shot the first reunion movie, and we were going to be shooting during the summer. Had that happened, I would not have run into Brandon under the circumstances we did. I believe we would have come together some other way, but had I gone to Montreal, Brandon and I would never have reconnected at that point. But at the last minute, ABC decided they wanted to play the movie during the Christmas season, and they needed more time to edit it. So they wanted it shot immediately, and we had to change to filming in February. And oh, wow. you can't film in Montreal in February because it's snowing yeah, and ice cold. storms and everything <laughs> right. else. Mm-hmm. So they moved it to New Orleans. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that's where Brandon was studying, and that's where he was living. So it was just those little changes that brought all of this about. And when I showed up on set one day, Kirk... Basically, you know, who Kirk Cameron, who played my older brother, said, Hey, I've got somebody I want you to meet. And he drags me around the corner and he goes, I'm not sure if you know this is, and he didn't even get the words out. I saw Brandon's face and I just said, Brandon Phillips. Oh my goodness. And this is not my best moment, but I looked at him and I said, How are you still alive? forever by the baby blue sound collective i think what i love so much about this cd is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by our new album will be available on itunes amazon.com spotify i love the fact that the proceeds from this cd are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects enjoy the music home tonight forever This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. 
You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. And just to add to that on the side, Anna, Jeremy and I reconnected about two weeks after my father's death. When my father passed away, Kirk Cameron reached out to me and said, hey, look, we're all coming to New Orleans in two weeks, and I'm going to bring you to set and kind of reintroduce you to everyone. So I really had Jeremy there with me as I was processing the fact that my dad and I would never have the type of relationship that I wanted. And like Jeremy said... How does that happen other than God arranging it to happen that way? But having them back in my life at that moment was exactly what I needed to reset myself. Interesting. So you feel that helped you to reset yourself? When dad became ill, one of the things on my mind is I knew that he and I would never have the type of father-son relationship that I wanted us to have that I had been working towards. And I always blame my parents' separation on my heart condition. So when the Growing Pains cast came to New Orleans, right after that, and Jeremy and I reconnected, I had an invitation to go to set every day. Joanna Kearns was the director for the film. And when she realized my connection to the show and what was going on in my life, she just said, come by anytime you want. The show was filmed less than two miles from my apartment in New Orleans at the time. So pretty much every day as I would come home from school, I would stop by set and get to hang out with Kirk and Jeremy. Yeah. It does definitely seem like a God thing, doesn't it? It does, for sure. Let's talk about When You Wish Upon a Star from Broken Homes to Mended Hearts and the fact that it's won some awards. Can you talk to me, gentlemen, about when you won the award and how that affected your life? I thought it was really cool when we won the Baby Heart Press Award. Being named the best book for the congenital heart disease community was super awesome, both as a professional, a pediatric cardiologist, but also as a congenital heart warrior. I was really honored that some of my patients and medical colleagues voted in the contest and made comments about the book. Some of my colleagues have reached out to me personally and said that the book gave them insight into the world of a congenital heart survivor in ways that they hadn't thought about before. Winning the award also made us award-winning authors, which I thought was super cool. And I still love putting my little baby heart press awards in the books when people buy them or I give them away. I'm so glad you like the stickers. I think they're so pretty. (laughs) I absolutely love them. I'm going to have to order more when I run out. I'm so happy to know that the award has helped you to get more recognition. I knew that your book was going to have such an impact on the CHD community because when I read it, oh my goodness, it had such an impact on me as well. What about you, Jeremy? Has winning the award helped you in any way? Well, it has helped the book with its visibility. And it's honestly one of my favorite parts about the responses we've been getting is many people have found inspiration in the book, even those outside of the Heart Warrior world. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it means so much to people in that world who are living with that is really cool to me because my favorite part of the book is Brandon's story. It is Brandon's struggle and what he's dealt with and overcoming all of that. And seeing that touch so many people is really, really special. One of the things that I think I like best about the book 
is that it's not just Brandon's struggle. And this is why it does appeal to people even outside of the heart community. You share your struggle in there some too, Jeremy. Was that hard for you to work on? It was difficult to put all of that down in print and to see it written down, reading it back the first time. There was a lot of catharsis, but also different points of view. You hear it from my mom's point of view and my fiance Joni's point of view and how things went down and how it affected them. And in your mind, you know those things, but seeing it put down in print really solidifies it. And it does. Yeah. It was hard working through that again. As an author myself, you are so right. When you put something down in print and then you see it in book form, it's like it takes on its own life, doesn't it? It really does. It really crystallizes everything and makes everything more real, even though in your mind, you know, it all occurred, you know how it went down. But seeing it in print is something very different. It really is. It's a unique experience. It is. And I think it gives you almost a different perspective on your life because you're kind of forced to look at it from the outside in. Most of your life, you're looking from the inside out. But once you put it down on paper, you're seeing it in a whole new way. You really are. And especially from my situation, hearing these stories of things I did when I was blacked out because I was a blackout drunk. Mm. I didn't remember a lot of my worst behaviors. I had to be reminded Mm. of them over the years. Hearing more of those details, the trauma that I definitely inflicted upon those I love, it definitely was a process working through all that again. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I liked about the book was that your friendship really came through. And this book was a win-win situation. You helped Jeremy when he was younger, and then he was able to turn around and help you when he was older, and he was in a position to help you. And I think that is the beauty of your friendship. I think it really is. I mean, that's just the way God has placed Brandon and me in each other's lives at exactly the moments we needed it most. Brandon's one of the most important people in my life to me. And as he said before, it really is a brotherhood. Brandon is my other brother. And that's just how close we are. And it's a real blessing to have somebody that special in my life, somebody who has gone to hell and back with me, Mm. along with my fiance, my mom, my brother, It's incredibly special to have somebody in your life like that and to be brought together by all of these different circumstances. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And it makes you feel incredibly, um, incredibly grateful. Absolutely. And you birthed a book together. How awesome is that? It was very cool. When Brandon and I started talking about the idea, that's all it was. It was just an idea of maybe sharing this story. I won't say it came together overnight. No. Because it definitely, <laughs> it definitely didn't. No. But it moved forward quicker than even I expected. And oh, really? We had a great writer who was able to help us with all the different interviews. Mm. Our story lends itself to a narrative. It does. It really does. It so does. it all fell into place exactly as it should have. Well, the other thing is, Brandon is a really gifted writer. Yes, he is. 
I love reading everything he writes, and he wrote for my book that's going to be coming out in 2023, The Heart of a Heart Warrior. And I just love to read what you write, Brandon. You're really gifted. I appreciate that. Writing is not the easiest thing for me, but when I sit down and find time to do it, I actually really enjoy doing it. It comes through. And the friendship the two of you have developed over the years, that comes through too. And I think everybody enjoys reading a book that has such warmth. There's some darkness too, but that darkness makes the bright things that happened even brighter, don't you think? I absolutely do. That's one of my favorite parts of the book is that in both Brandon's story and my story, there is a lot of struggle. Mm -hmm. But both Brandon and I took those situations and turned them around and used that struggle to be able to help others that are struggling with the same thing. And that's a very important tenant in recovery. Mm -hmm. It's something that is in my opinion, very applicable to all of life, turning something that happened that was horrible to you around and using that to benefit others takes the power away from what happened to you. It takes its strength away over you. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. Now, I know you won the Baby Hearts Press People's Choice Award. Has the book won any other awards? We did submit it to the Nonfiction Book Awards, and we actually got a gold award from them as well. And then we've gotten the opportunity to do some publicity for the book. We actually were able to share a story on Fox and Friends. We got to do a really special podcast called Jesus Calling, where we dive deep into how God brought us together, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really special. Yeah. I got to see the interview on Fox and Friends because it's on YouTube. You two look so comfortable with each other. Your friendship even came through in your body language when you were sitting there and chatting with the interviewer. I thought it was really neat. Uh, This is my other brother. We rib each other. We have a ball together. We're there for each other. This is my other brother. So I'm glad it comes through on camera because it's real. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What is the most valuable feedback you have received from your readers? Hmm. We've gotten many, many reviews and many comments talking about how inspirational it was and just how much it touched them or lifted them up out of a dark place. Those are always some of the most wonderful comments. One of the more insightful ones we got was someone left a, it was still a good review, but it was maybe not the full stars. And they said the reason they did that was because They expected more of my story from a first-person perspective. Uh, And that's a very valid point in going into reading the book. But that was actually a conscious choice by Brandon and I for coherency, basically. We didn't want to be flipping back and forth in the first person and have the reader not know who was talking, basically. Mm -hmm. So we decided, even though I contributed everything to my story and was involved in the whole writing process, we decided specifically to do it from Brandon's point of view, just for narrative cohesiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that totally makes sense. What about you, Brandon? What's some of the best feedback you've received from your readers? So I always love when someone in the congenital heart community 
says that the book helps them relate to their congenital heart warrior. That is super special to me because that's really one of the reasons I wrote the book is for parents to be able to understand their children better and for the kids to know that they're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Another thing that ranks pretty highly is I've actually had some friends of mine from high school who've read the book who are going through divorce and they said that the book helped mm-hmm. them relate to their kids better and helped them make more cognizant choices to be present in their kids' lives. And I thought that was super special wow. as well. That is super special. Well, I loved your story about calling the homework hotline because I don't think I've shared this with you before, but I used to be one of those teachers. <laughs> When I was a teacher in a public school system, I was one of those teachers who answered kids' questions when they had problems with their homework. And I thought that was really neat how you shared that story and how you would call and ask for help. And sometimes the teacher on the line was keeping you company. Yeah, they really were. They were someone I could call and review answers with, but it was just someone to talk to. And it was kind of the same way with Amy Waddell from the Starlight Children's Foundation. She's now Amy Mm -hmm. Alvin. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times if I had something I wanted to share and I would get home and there was no one there, I would call Amy at Starlight and share the highlights of my day. And oftentimes, especially when growing pains was still in the air, she may have gotten news from the set or had been back to the set with another wish kid and was able to give me some kind of inside scoop on what was going on with growing pains and Jeremy. So that was always fun too. Kind of bringing it full circle all over again. Absolutely. It's just amazing how the cast of growing pains have shown up in my life at various times when I needed them. Like I've already said, When my father passed away, the cast of Growing Pains came to New Orleans. When I had my last heart procedure in 2017, when I got my new heart valve and my defibrillator, I was flying into my hometown of West Monroe. And lo and behold, if Kirk Cameron is not on my flight and in the seat (laughs) in front of me on the airplane, I have a selfie that Kirk took of us on the flight home. And I'm just like, this is just unreal that he would be here as I'm coming back from surgery. Absolutely. And that picture's in the book. It is. It was just like God is saying, I'm still here. I have not left you. This is just part of the plan. The people that love you are still around you. And the people that I've given you in your life are still there. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. 
since the last time you were on the show, Dr. Phillips, Jenny Muscatel, Amy M. Lee, and I started a group called the Heart Community Collection, or the THCC, and it's for authors of books and others in the CHD community to come together to cheer each other on and help each other with promotion and marketing. And because you joined THCC, I've had the pleasure of being able to keep up with you a little bit more and your book a little bit more. But can you tell my listeners about the latest and most exciting news about your book? So we recently had an audiobook version of our book recorded. Max Adler ended up being the narrator for the book. And Max has his own little special connection story to the book. When I had COVID back in 2020, I rewatched some episodes of Glee and some other TV shows that I liked. And there's one really special episode that Max is in that just kind of resonated with me at the time that it initially aired. It was a very low time for me. And Max's character resonated with me where he was in life and he had hit his lowest point. And I just sent Max a message on Cameo. I just said, hey, look, I rewatched this episode. I really enjoyed it. What are you working on now? And Max sent me back a message and told me that he was working on this movie called Foster Boy. And I looked the movie up on the internet and one of his co-producers in the movie was a man named Peter Samuelson. Peter had actually founded the Starlight Children's Foundation that had granted my wish to meet Jeremy. And Peter had written the foreword for my book. So I shared that back with Max, and it was just like we had formed an instant friendship. So when this year rolled around and I decided that I wanted to do an audiobook, I reached out to Max and asked him, if he knew how to go about getting an audiobook done, because I had seen on some of his social media stuff that he had worked recording other audiobooks. And Max set mm-hmm. me up with the people at DN Audio and even offered to narrate the book for us, which I thought was super special. That is so special. I didn't know that behind the scenes information. That is amazing. Once again, I'm in awe and feel like God had a hand in this. And it exactly. does not stop there. So when we got the audiobook recorded, I sent Peter Samuelson a message and said, Hey, look, we're doing the audiobook version of my book. Your colleague, Max Adler, was able to record it. And I'd already gotten a message from Starlight that they were having their 40th anniversary party in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it happened to fall on the anniversary of my wish. So it had been 33 oh, years since Jeremy and I initially met. Mm-hmm. So we all went to the anniversary party this year, Jeremy and Joni, Max and his wife, Jen, and I, we mm-hmm. all went and got to hang out with Peter Samuelson. So it was absolutely fantastic. Wow. Well, Jeremy, what did you think about having the book made into an audiobook? It was amazing. And again, it was yet another cathartic process. Hearing it back as we were reviewing the work that Max did in recording it mm-hmm. was difficult. Max is an incredibly talented actor, and he brought a lot of heart and a lot of empathy to his reading of the book. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, seeing it written down in print is one thing. Hearing it read back with emotion and empathy sent yeah. me on a whole other process of oh. dealing with and coming to terms with a lot of the more negative parts of my behavior back then. But it was really special. And I honestly couldn't be more proud of the final product and the job that Max did for us. It is so outstanding. I read the book 
years ago when Brandon first sent it to me and I loved it. I thought it was really, really well done. Couldn't wait to have Brandon on my podcast so we could talk about it and then have you on the podcast too, Jeremy. It was such a special event for me. But when the audiobook became available, Brandon asked me if I wanted to hear it. And I said, of course, because right now I am much more of a consumer of audiobooks than I am printed books, even though I love printed books. But it seems like time-wise, mm-hmm. it's just so much easier for me to read a book when I'm listening to it while I'm taking weeds out of my garden or washing dishes or doing laundry, something like that. I had so much fun listening to it or reading it the second time. I got new things out of it by hearing it the second time. For you, years have passed as well. Did it bring up some things that maybe you had put in the back of your mind? Oh, it absolutely did. It's like you. There were things that I caught in both of our stories that perhaps my mind had glossed over in reading it beforehand. So it was a completely new experience hearing the audiobook. And again, I couldn't be more proud of the final product. I think the heart of the story really comes through. Absolutely. And... There's a new surprise from when I got the beta version of the book. Do you want to tell us who was a surprise reader for the opening of your book, Brandon? Yeah, Kirk Cameron actually ended up recording the audio for his introduction to the book. Isn't that and amazing? the way that actually came to be is I actually went to visit Kirk and Jeremy back in August, and I shared with Kirk that we were doing the audiobook, and I just played a portion of the book for him. And I actually chose his introduction and he decided on the spot that he just wanted to re-record it in his own voice and went off to his bedroom. And the next thing I know, I had an email file to add to the book, which was absolutely fantastic. And I couldn't thank Kirk more for doing that for us. I think it's just special to have his voice as part of it. Absolutely. I understand there's been another new development regarding your book that maybe is even more exciting than the audiobook. Is that possible? Can you tell my (laughs) listeners about it? We are working at the moment to try and bring our book to the big screen, the little screen, whatever you want (laughs) to. (laughs) whatever you want to call it, but we're attempting to turn it into a screenplay at the moment and perhaps bring it as a limited series or as a movie to television or the big screen. So we've we've had a good amount of interest and a good amount of people who have read it who just keep saying this needs to be made into a movie. It's a story that needs to be told. So we decided to move forward and see if there's any possibilities there. Other exciting news, Max Adler, who narrated the audiobook, has joined with us in trying to help get this to film. Oh, that's wonderful. So in addition to being an actor, Max is also a producer. Okay. Are you hoping for it to be for television or for the big screen? Because there's a big difference. If it's television, especially if it could be like a mini series or even a full blown series, there's a chance to have so much more time that you can get into more depth in your story. Whereas if it's on the big screen, it's a more cursory view. Exactly. Our first 
preference would be to be able to do it in a eight to 10 episode limited series, which have become very popular nowadays. Sure. But we've talked about it in depth with Max, with Brandon and me, with Leilani. And we honestly think that the best way, because there is so much information in the story yeah. to convey, that we think that's probably the best platform for doing it. It could be turned into a film, but you would, I think, lose a lot of the small details that really make the story special. Yeah, I think so. Because when I read it, I could picture it as a film. But then when I heard Max, I guess maybe because the time had passed too, and I had forgotten some of the details. But then it really seemed like, wait a minute, why isn't this <laughs> on the big screen or on the little screen, as you were saying? I could totally picture this being the kind of story that could go on for several weeks where they could use the messages, because that's the thing that I love about the book, is there are multiple messages. It's kind of like an onion. There are multiple layers to go through, and having a miniseries would really allow you to explore that more fully. That's exactly what we were thinking. To get across everything we would want to get across and to show all the different ins and outs, a limited time series would definitely be the optimal delivery system. I'm just stunned that all of this is happening and I'm actually talking to the people behind the scenes. It makes me feel so privileged. So this is exciting. Thanks for sharing this with me. Now comes the question, Dr. Phillips, if you could choose the actor to play you in the movie, who would it be? I think actually, if Max would be up to it, I would love for him to play me in the movie. That would be cool, especially now that he's gotten to know you better. What about you, Mr. Miller? If you could choose the actor to play you in the movie, who would you choose? Honestly, we've discussed a few different ways of going about it. Personally, I'd like to find somebody young and relatively unknown, okay. uh, somebody without a completely recognizable face mm -hmm. to try and portray the character. We have also discussed if it happens in a reasonable timeline, perhaps having me play myself once we get through the college years or whatever. I don't know where that cut would be. I'm definitely a little too old to play my teen years, but <laughs> you know, we've talked about a few different things, but yeah. I don't have any specific known or name actor I would love to see play it. Personally, I'd like to find somebody really good, young, and without the recognizable face to try and tell that part of the story. The cool thing about this is the story starts when you are kids. So you would probably need several actors to show the time continuum as you're growing. So I can see where you could have an unknown actor. And then when you're a little bit older, you get to play yourself. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think it would as well. Brandon, can you tell us where we can buy your book and the audiobook too? It's on Amazon, and the audiobook is on Audible. But really, just wherever your favorite places to buy books are is where I would recommend looking to see if it's there. I also wanted to say that the audiobook and even the ebook is available probably through your library through either Hoopla or OneDrive. So there are other yeah. ways that you can get the book without mm -hmm. having to buy a copy. Here locally, your library card will get you on Hoopla, and you're able to either download the audiobook or the ebook, your choice. It's great to know that 
This book is available, and if your local library doesn't have it itself, usually through interlibrary loan, you can get it. So that's yet another way that you can find access to the book. And Anna, a physical copy is actually in libraries all across the country. I found it in Washington, D.C. I found it in Baltimore, Jacksonville, Florida, West Palm Beach. I have no idea how it's ended up in libraries across the country, but it's there. That's awesome. But see, that's where getting book awards helps because librarians look at books that get awards and then they say, wait a minute, this book won an award. People like it. I want to get it in my library. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking to you gentlemen so much. But before we go, can you tell me what advice you would have for other people who would like to write a book or have a book written and are hoping to share their story on the big screen? I would just encourage people, if you have a story that you want to share, to work on it. But also know that it's not going to happen overnight. And know that there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of people in the congenital heart community who have written books who can give you some guidance and help and pointers. That is one of the things that the Heart Community Collection does is kind of help other authors. So I think that's an absolutely wonderful resource because when I was first working on my book, I had no idea where to begin, how to get started. And I wish that resource had been available then for me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Jeremy. I really enjoy talking to you and finding out what's new with your book. Oh, thank you so much for having us on. It's always a pleasure and it's great to get to tell everybody about the project and hopefully everybody will grab the audiobook. Even if you've read the hard copy, believe me, there's something for everybody in there and it's a really wonderful experience hearing Max narrate it. Well, thank you so much. And I'm so excited that you were the first winner of the Baby Hearts Press People's Choice Award. Friends, the contest is going now. So if you have a book for the congenital heart defect community, please check out babyheartspress.com and enter your book in the book contest. Who knows where your book will go? Look at all the things happening to Dr. Phillips and to Mr. Miller since they won this award. It's just amazing. You do have a supportive community behind you. Check out the heartcommunitycollection.com. We are a small community of authors who are supporting one another, not just authors. We have advocates in there and people who are selling other services. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Thank you, Dr. Phillips. I really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thanks again, Anna. Always a pleasure. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Have a great week, my friends. And remember, you are not. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time, wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern Time.